getting to know God. And so last week we said that there are three main elements, three main ingredients to how we individually spend time with God. It's reading the Bible, and that's what we covered last week. And this little handout that you should have got as you came in, those are kind of the, the crib notes from last week, all right? So if you haven't got those, this might be the only time in church history we've ever given out a cheat sheet, so you don't want to miss out. It might be the last also. And today we're going to be looking at how do we pray and how do we worship, not in a corporate setting, but individually. And for me, those are the three big ingredients of how we spend time with God. So I said a few, I said a lot of things last week. Some of them are in the notes, but I want to just remind us again of a couple of things because they're so important. And if we get them wrong, we run the error of going into legalism, which we don't want to do when we're serving Jesus. So one of the things I said last week is that when we spend time with God, our goal must be connection, not perfection. Remember that if you're here? We have to aim for connection. When we come to our Father, it's because we want to be close to Him. We want to have intimacy and fellowship and communion. And we do revere God. We do worship Him. We humble ourselves. But we're coming to be in His presence. We're coming to hear from Him. Not to try and have the perfect 10.0 score on our devotion card. Now that God doesn't score you on how good your devotion is every morning or every night. God's not there with a scorecard. Did, did Irvin pray for two hours? Did Melissa read three chapters? He doesn't sit there scoring you. So we mustn't be upset if some days it just doesn't go according to plan. You wake up and you're so tired you can barely do anything. Now, that shouldn't be the habit. If you are watching TV until midnight and then trying to wake up early and spend time with God, that's just your own bad choice, okay? Sometimes the kids walk in, like this morning when I was spending time with God. My kids arrived, 10 past 5 and 25 past 5. It was, don't get upset if things don't work out. It's quality over quantity. Try to avoid multitasking. Why? Because we want to give God our undivided attention. Have you ever gone out to lunch with like your best friend or a good friend and they've brought their laptop and they're working? While you're trying to have a conversation, like people shaking their heads. You don't, you don't do that. We've all done this and all had this done to us. We're having a conversation with someone and they're on their phone. And they're like, yeah, mm, yeah, mm, yeah. Let's be honest. We can't multitask. We're all guilty and we've all experienced it in a negative way. We have to give God our full undivided attention. So can you worship while you're driving to see a customer? Absolutely you can. No problem. It's a great add-on to your devotions, but don't make it the primary way you worship or listen to God's word, etc. And the last kind of reminder point is that we must go to God ourselves. We must go to God ourselves. You can listen to a podcast. You can watch YouTube videos. There's amazing teachings out there. You can do it while you're jogging, while you're sweeping the kitchen, what have you. But we must go to God ourselves because when we hear other people's points and revelation, it's not bad, but I think we run the risk of going back to the Old Testament where there's a mediator between me and God and I can't hear God unless Pastor so-and-so from this country speaks to me. We, we've got to get our own connection with God. Those are great add-ons, but don't make them your primary diet of how you spend time with God. So, 
prayer. Prayer is probably, I don't know, it's like the simplest thing we can do. It's not complicated. It's not hard. And yet there are like so many verses and so many great ways to do it. And I was thinking earlier that probably the most complicated technical thing that humankind has ever done is left planet Earth on a rocket. Like you think of all that has to go into building a rocket, designing it, the electronics, the, the ignition, the, 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 all the other stuff that you need, physicists and engineers and a whole team of people just to leave planet Earth, just to see if we can get to another planet or the moon. And yet here we are able to talk to God, the creator, just with a few words. Like it's, it's not technical or complicated. I think it's really important that we understand that our heart, our attitude, how we pray matters. How we pray matters. Some people think that God owes them. Like they've just been dealt such a bad hand in life, God owes me, or they're entitled. Some people sadly have that view of God. But you know what? God, God doesn't dance to our tune. He's God. He's the creator. We're the creature. He's the potter, we're the clay, the Old Testament says. We owe everything to him. We can't come with that attitude. Some people think that God is this kind of senile old man who doesn't really understand what I'm going through, but it's like my duty, I have to pray, I have to talk to him. Just like you might have like a senile old relative that you have to go and visit in the care home, it's your duty to go and do that. But if that's how you view God... Why would you ever want to come to him? He can do nothing for you if that's your view of God. No, no, we pray to a good God. The theme that God's highlighting is he's love. He's a loving father. He's kind. He's all powerful. He's faithful. We've preached a few times on prayer over the years. The most recent one I was thinking of um, for you to go and listen on a podcast (laughs) without multitasking. (laughs) Uh, we preached a series a few a little while back called The Secret Life of Christians. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he lists three things that Christians are to do secretly without anybody knowing. And he says, if you do this thing in secret, your Father who's in heaven, he sees what you're doing in secret, he'll reward you. And if you do this thing secretly with no one knowing, your Father in heaven sees what you're doing in secret, he'll reward you. You know what those three things are? Giving to the needy. Prayer, fasting, good. So we preached the three-part series called The Secret Life of Christians. Part number two is on prayer. You're welcome to go and get that. I had to scroll back quite far on the website, go to the sermons link, October 2020. It's like, wow, I thought that was just a few months ago, three years ago. Get hold of that. But here are some kind of quick bullet points on prayer from Jesus, from the New Testament that could easily be a whole sermon by themselves. I'm going to just shoot them out with the scripture references. You can go and look them up. Jesus says that we should, he told a parable that we should pray and not give up. In other words, we should persevere. We should be persistent. We should keep praying. There's a a cool little bracelet you can buy that says push, P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. (laughs) Not until you get your way, because that's not how God works. Pray until something happens. I found in my life, so often I'll pray for something for a few weeks, and then I'll, God's not answering. Nothing's happening. And then, like, you get despondent, and you stop praying for that thing, and then, like, a week later, God answers. And you're like, oh, 
I should have just prayed a bit more. Then I can say it was my prayer that <laughs> answered it. I think we just give up too quickly and too easily when we pray. Jesus told another parable in Luke 11. He says we should pray with shameless audacity. Probably my favorite scripture on prayer. He says we should be praying big, bold prayers, not these small, insulated prayers all about me, myself, and I, and my little world, but pray big prayers. Paul says in Philippians and 1 Thessalonians, we should pray unceasingly. We've all met those really super spiritual Christians. They're like, I talk to God all day. Okay, I'm, not, I'm not one of those Christians. I don't know how they do it. Uh, I, I can't do that. And I don't know if that's what Paul means. Maybe it do, he does mean that. But I, I think he says we should be a people of prayer, a prayerful people. Not just like, oh yeah, we pray on Sundays before church. Or like, we should be a... We should have a lifestyle of prayer rather than occasions of prayer. And for different people, they can talk to God all day long. Awesome. I can't do it, but I'm not feeling condemned by this verse either. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, we are to pray in the Spirit. We are to pray in tongues. Edifies. It's praying what God's Spirit is on His heart, although we don't understand it intellectually in our minds. We are to pray in the Spirit. We are to also process our stuff with God. There's an amazing verse in Lamentations 9 where Jeremiah says, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. What a beautiful scripture. We can come before God. We can process our hurt, our grief, our pain, the difficult week. We can vent. Jesus did on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Great example of pouring out our heart, not accusing God of where he didn't do what you think he should have done, just pouring out your heart. And as we process stuff in the presence of God, he can bring healing, he can bring closure, he can bring perspective. Prayer is also the means of fetching the supply of Christ. In other words, prayer is the way that God gives us stuff. To put it very simply, prayer is the means, it's the method, it's the way that we connect and get from the Father. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 1. He says, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. In other words, prayer is the way we fetch the supply of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Have you ever tried to take a shower under a straw? How wet will you get? Not very much, right? <laughs> some, some people's prayer life is like that. All the provision of God's love and grace and peace is just coming through one tiny straw. Actually, prayer is how we fetch the supply of Christ. James says, you do not have because you don't ask. Not because God is stingy or you haven't figured out the three-step trick to releasing heaven with this certain prayer, sign up now, 9.99. No, James says you don't have because you don't ask. Or when you do ask, you've got the wrong motives because you're selfish and you want to spend what you get on yourself. Sometimes our motives need adjusting. And that God wants to supply us with good things. I think it's in James. It says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. Okay, The bad stuff in your life doesn't come from God. Every good 
and perfect thing comes down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Jesus, at the end of Luke 11, he wraps up his teaching on prayer and he says, if you, humans, if you, though you are evil by comparison to God, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more the heavenly Father will good give Bad things, no, will give good things to those who ask him. God wants to give us good things. I heard the craziest, coolest testimony last week from someone in this church. They pulled me aside of church and said, I've got to tell you a cool testimony. Pray with me and give thanks to God. So we prayed. I don't know what I was giving thanks for. And then she told me the testimony afterwards. And she says, her family were in a desperate situation. Work had not been going well. She hadn't paid rent the month before, and it was rent was due for the current month, so two months' rent. She's crying out to God. She's got 50 rand left. She's crying out to God. She's in tears. Some stranger arrives at her gate, shakes the gate, and says, Hey, are you so-and-so? Yes, yeah, yeah. Who are you? I've never met you before. God told me to give you this money. Hands over an envelope of money. It's enough for last month's rent this month's rent, and leftover. Divine. Through a person. But how's that? God wants to give good things, friends. He is good. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. So what do we pray? Sure, I could speak for hours on prayers. I'm trying to go as quick as I can because there's still worship to get to. What do we pray? Some people say, well, I have no idea what to say to God. Besides, he knows everything. Why should I pray? Well, here are some things that you can pray. Again, each of these could be a whole sermon. We will condense it this morning. The Lord's Prayer, found in Matthew chapter 6 from verse 9 to 13, is a great template. At high school, we used to recite the Lord's Prayer every assembly. I mean, I can say it off by heart. I can say it in Latin as well because for some reason, the high school I went to, we prayed in Latin. I don't know if God even speaks Latin anymore. But, but we, to just recite the Lord's prayers, saying meaningless words, I think God gave it to us as a template, as an outline, as a skeleton. And just, I'm not going to speak about it today, but there are hundreds of amazing teachings on how to use the Lord's prayer as a template to pray. Okay? Just go and search it on the internet. You'll find great stuff. But it's a great template to, of how to pray. Um, Rick Warren uses this acronym, PRAY, P-R-A-Y. The P is for praise. We start off by thanking God, praising Him, adoring Him. The R stands for repent. Repent of us and say sorry for the times you've messed up since you last hung out with God. A, ask for yourself, ask for others, intercede on behalf of others. And the wise for yield, yield yourself to God's will, recommit your ways to Him, surrender, pledge allegiance, etc. Again, another kind of good acronym or good way to help you pray when you pray. Scripture is the best thing to pray. It's the most powerful thing to pray, and it takes away all of our um, biases or leanings or I don't know if you, if you have this situation when you pray. It's like there's a certain situation that you're concerned about or worried about and you're praying into something and you know if you were God exactly how you would answer the prayer. And so you pray along those lines, don't we? We're just human, right? We'd, we'd love for God to work it out like this. That's okay to pray like that. I think 
God changes us as we pray. But when we pray scripture, it takes away all of our subjectivity and how we want the situation to turn out. And we give it over to God. And so spoke about linking to last week and, and about God's word. Whatever God's speaking to you about that day, pray those scriptures. For a while, a few years ago, I did this just to, to stir me to better praying. I went online and I searched the prayers of Paul. Because if you look through Paul's letters, you'll see that he prays for people and he prays for churches. And so I just like listed them in my journal and I kind of, there was long ones and short ones and one-liners, etc. And then I wrote a whole bunch of them out on cue cards, okay? And I, like 10 or 12, and I put them in my car. I've got a 30-minute drive to work every day. And so I, what I did, I put all those cue cards in my car and I'd put one out on the dashboard for the week, and while I'm driving to work, I'd be reading the scripture and praying it, thinking about it, praying it for myself and praying it for my family and my friends and the church. And by the end of the week, praying, just getting deeper on those one or two verses, I'd memorized the verse and I'd prayed stuff I'd never prayed for for people, all out the Bible. And the next week, I'd put the second cue card up. It lasted a couple of months and it was an amazing just creativity of, of praying the scriptures for myself and others. At the moment, how I pray right now, and I'm not saying this that you should copy it, but just to give you some ideas, really, because sometimes we just lack practical kind of ideas, don't we? We get stuck in the rut of how we've always done things. How I pray at the moment, I start off praying from most close. I pray from in to out. So I start off praying for myself because I know how much help I need. Lord, help me to know you better. Help me to understand your word better. Lord, help me to be on fire. Help me to hear you better. Pray for myself. Lord, help me to be a better husband, a better dad, a better pastor, a better employee. Help me to, I pray for myself, closest first. And then I start praying, like getting further and further away. I pray for my wife, the next thing I pray for. And it's like three seconds because God's given me the perfect wife. I'm just like, Lord, thank you. There's nothing to pray, you know what I mean? Like it's easy. And then I pray for my kids. Lord, help me help them. <laughs> I pray for my parents, and they're here today. It's great to have them up from KZN. Pray for my in-laws. I pray for the elders. Then I pray for the leaders of the church. Then I pray for our life group. I pray for the church. I pray for the company I work for. Like I, just, I pray from in to out as I go. It's just easy for me to pray in that way. Maybe that'll help some of us today. Prayer is meant to be two-way communication, okay? And this is, the, I think, the most challenging about prayer. We've got to make sure we spend time listening to God, being quiet before Him, waiting on Him, and that's really hard because we're good at telling God exactly what we need. <laughs> we're very good at the shopping list kind of prayer, right? You know, there's some people that you meet and who you know, maybe you're one of them, and if, if you are, let your spouse nudge you, um, you just don't stop talking and no one can get a word in, right? Sometimes we're like that with God. We just talk and talk and talk and we're busy and our mind's going and then we, like we finish our devotion times and God's like, okay, I was ready to go, but you left. <laughs> some, some people, I know people in this church and in, in my workplace where they're also very good talkers, like God's gifted them, you know, like it's an anointing to talk so much. And, uh, and then, like, you know when you're talking in a group and, like, someone's talking and telling a story and then they pause? Like, that's a socially acceptable cue for someone else to say, yeah, I had the same thing happen to me or to ask a question or to redirect or there's that socially acceptable moment where someone else can jump in. 
without interrupting. And, and then you, you, you take your gap, but then they've just paused to breathe and they just keep talking over you. Like it's happened to me often, right? And I think God's like that too. Like we just pause and God's about to say something and we just keep going. Sometimes we just got to dial it back and let God speak. <laughs> Some people say, well, I don't know what God's voice sounds like. How do I hear God? And I'm not going to speak on that entirely today. But it is important that God speaks and it is important that we hear him. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they know my voice. You know what God sounds like? Heard someone else say this. It's not my phrase. God's voice sounds like himself. So what does that mean? Well, if you read scripture, God is revealing himself to us through scripture. It's why we read the Bible and study it. Okay? Supremely, God's revealed himself in Jesus. He said, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, we study the life of Jesus and the Gospels very carefully to find out what God is like. And God sounds like himself. So if you're praying and then you're still and you hear a voice of shame and condemnation, that's not God. God doesn't sound like that. God is forgiving. He's in love with us. If you hear an angry shouting voice rebuking you for what you did wrong and judging you, that's not God. God has punished all of sin on Jesus. There is no punishment left need to hear that. Fear has to do with punishment. The Bible says there's no fear because perfect love drives out fear because all the punishment for all our sins for all time has happened on Jesus on the cross. God only has love and kindness and compassion and goodness and faithfulness. He has nothing else for us. Why? All of the judgment, punishment, wrath, anger, fury has been poured out on Christ. If you hear a frantic, anxious voice, it's not God. You don't find a scripture, Jesus was up all night worrying. <gasps> he couldn't sleep. No, it's not what God's like. He's the most joyful being in the universe. He's not angry. He's in a good mood always. Always, 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 always. <laughs> Nothing can upset the apple cart. Nothing you can do or say or not do or not say can make God not be good, not be happy, not be kind. He does correct us for sure. But he does it in love and kindness because he sees the direction we're heading is going to end up in pain for us. And so he does correct us, right? If we keep talking like that, if we keep gossiping, if our attitude continues to be selfish or the motives are wrong or we, we've got a quick anger, though it's going to result in pain, he corrects us. And sadly, many people ignore the correction of God. Sometimes he's so kind, he will put like a, a, a roadblock in your way and something tragic will happen or terrible and you, suddenly you come to your senses, as it were. But God does correct us. Sometimes we're in an uncomfortable situation, right? It's just like, oh, this can't be God. God doesn't want me to be uncomfortable. 
and I would, I would argue with you on that because living by faith means we don't live by sight. God, God takes us out our comfort zone, right? That's the best place we grow when we have to trust Him and live by faith. So just because it's not comfortable, whatever you're going through right now, it can't be God. I just, I just don't feel, you know, I don't feel God here. I don't feel comfortable. You know what? God gave you the comforter in your uncomfortable situation to follow God. He is with you. So all discomfort is not, well, whatever. God sounds like himself. God, God, how does God speak? It'll be like, there's so many words you can use. You'll just sense something. You'll, you'll have an impression. God will put something on your heart. Sometimes God speaks loud and clear. And I've met people who've heard the audible voice of God. I don't think I have. But you look in the Bible, Nehemiah says, God put it on my heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. There wasn't writing. There wasn't an angel. Like it just, God put it on my heart. Jesus himself, he's dialoguing with the Pharisees. And it says he knew in his spirit what they were thinking. He just knew. There wasn't an angel. There was, and so when we have an impression, a prompting, especially if it's like out of character, it's like, whoa, that's a weird thought or idea. Or Can I tell you how you know it's from God or not from God? If it's in line with his kingdom, it's not the devil. Okay? What do I mean? If, it's, if God prompts you to do something that's kind and loving and generous and in line with his kingdom... The devil's not going to do that. The devil's not going to help God out. Hello? <laughs> so I can tell you what happened to me on Friday. I had this prompting, and it's, um, uh, it was just a like, oh, I should wash the dishes at work. The lady who normally cleans the kitchen and washes the dishes, she was on leave, or I don't know where she was. And I noticed that on Friday, a lot of people leave early because they work extra hours in the beginning of the week. And so Friday afternoon comes, and there's lots of dishes and like very few people. And so I was like, oh, I should, just, I should wash the dishes. And I knew that it wasn't my natural thing to go and wash dishes. <laughs> I got a dishwasher at home, and I got three kids. But I knew it wasn't the devil wanting me to be kind and help others. I knew I, wasn't, I didn't have the wrong motive because there was no one at work. No one could see me. I couldn't impress anyone with my dishwashing skills. <laughs> now I've all impressed you, hey? Dang, I've lost my reward. Those things you do in secret. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but if it's, if it's and lines up with the kingdom, just do it. Even if it wasn't God, it's a great thing to do for others. It's not the devil. But God will never lead you to hurt someone. He's never going to prompt you to be angry and shout and, and sin or contradict his word. That prompting's from the devil. So you can tell quite easily, this thing I've suddenly thought of to do or say, or is that a kingdom thing? Yeah, I'm just going to do it. I know that, that anger at the person who just cut me off in traffic. I'm not going to do the thing I wanted to do. Because <laughs> that's not the, you can tell quite easily what's the Holy Spirit and what's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we also have to be a little bit careful. Oh man, I'm running out of time here. We've got to be careful because sometimes what God says and does, it kind of, it maybe is quite different to what we think about God. And sometimes we need to adjust how we see God because he's not always perfect in understanding him. And sometimes it, it looks at face value like it contradicts his word. And sometimes those things, we, it forces us to reevaluate how we've interpreted God's word. 
could find hundreds of examples throughout church history where the church thought the scripture meant this thing. And as the church matured and grew, like at one point the church thought many hundreds of years ago that the earth was the center of the solar system. And a Christian scientist said, no, no, I'm just looking at the telescope and it doesn't look like we're the center. No, but man is the center of God's plan. No, but, but the sun's, is, we had to reevaluate how we interpret certain scriptures, right? I think it's a progressive revelation. That was prayer all over the place. Please pray. Worship. Oh, man, how good was worship today? Despite the lights being off at the start, it's, it's not about that stuff. We've got such a cool home group, and there's someone leaving from our home group. Oh, no, she's just going back to talk to her friend. We've got such a cool home group. Um, <laughs> we can just tune each other in church. Uh, we were chatting about this kind of stuff in life group this week, and we've got someone in our life group who, they're like, I just love worship. I can't wait for Sunday. I'm just like, I'm just free. My hands, I'm singing. And sometimes I find myself like I'm down here because my eyes were closed and I'm just free with God. And it's like the Holy Spirit energizes me. I just, I love worship. Who's like on that side of the spectrum? Who loves, like you could just exactly, right? Some of you in my life group. <laughs> Someone else in our life group, this is just from Tuesday night's discussion. They're like, I love God's Word. They love studying God. They come out of a bit of a Baptist tradition. And, and like, what, you know what he reads for his bedtime reading? is like this very technical PhD on, like, salvation. And, like he, and that's, like, that's amazing. And we need the Spirit of God, which we encounter more often in worship, and we need the Word of God. We need both because it's the Word and the Spirit that brings life. And we need that in our personal lives and in the corporate setting. We need to worship together. We need to hear God's word together. We need to pray together. And we need to worship in our own lives. We need to be, Jesus said, like his spirit would be like living water that would flow into us and then well up and flow out from us. God's intent is that our cup overflows with the Holy Spirit. Same with manna. We looked at manna as an example of God's word, of, of, of spiritual food. God wants us to eat from him, to get from him his word, and enough to give out. God wants us to drink and eat that we could bless others as an overflow of what he's doing in our lives. So can you imagine? This is my favorite daydream for, for this church or for any church. Can you imagine if every one of us, we were connecting regularly with God in a meaningful way. We, we're eating his word, we're sustaining us, we're overflowing with his word, we, we're drinking of his spirit, we're overflowing. Can you imagine if the whole church, we were all doing that? Imagine what the church would look like if we came to life group and we're all coming out of an overflow, ready to pray, ready to love each other, ready to prophesy, ready to be joyful in God's presence and share testimonies. Imagine what life group would look like if we all came in that space. Imagine what a Sunday morning would look like if we all came ready to serve others selflessly, ready to love generously, ready to pray for the sick or whatever it might be. Imagine what the church would look like if all of us were overflowing with the Word and the Spirit. You know what Paul says, 1 Corinthians, he says, when you come together, each of you has a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song, a testimony, a something, 
It's the, the result of, a, of an overflowing church. How cool would that be? Yo, can't wait for next Sunday, hey? Looking forward to lots of overflowing happening. <laughs> worship is, is such a great gift from God. I think so many like worship, and I'm coming into land just so you know. I think so many people like worship because it's the, um, it's the closest thing that we can have that is like instant gratification. <laughs> you know, we always say that it's, instant gratification is a bad thing, you know. Um, it's like when you get home from work, this happens to me sometimes, and you've had a rough day and you're feeling flat. You know, the best thing is to put on running shoes and go for a run. That's the, you know that's the best thing. But what do we do? Peanut butter sandwich, <laughs> slab of chocolate, plop in front of the TV, and like just, de- you know, zone out. Instant gratification. But I think worship is like the best kind of instant gratification because when we worship God, it's not about us, but He's so kind, like we enter His presence, like we did this morning. And like it's, it sustains us and energizes us. That's why so many people love worshiping. <laughs> yeah? Again, this could be a whole sermon, but this is for me how and why we worship God. Three things. We worship God for who He is. And you could spend an hour just pouring out your praise for who God is. He's loving and kind and faithful and omnipotent and all-knowing. And you could go on for hours just praising God for who He is. It's the basis of our faith we, for a God that we know. Second reason and how we we worship and praise God, is for what He's done. And you can look in history, the fact that He created. <laughs> he made an earth that's beautiful. And my daughter loves animals, and God made animals, and that's good. Like we can praise God and worship God for what He's done. Creation, history, sunsets. The fact that you can taste the peanut butter. I love peanut butter. Peanut butter sandwich. Have you ever thanked God for taste? Amen. For coffee. I'm trying to speak someone else's language. Here. Have, you, have you thanked God for what you can see, that you can see beauty, that you can feel, like that we can hear, we can see beautiful art and hear amazing music. Like, thank God for what He's done just in creation. Thank God that He's given us a Bible, that He has a plan for the earth, that He sent Jesus to die, that salvation's available to everyone. Thank God for what He's done. You could spend days just thanking God for what He's done. Then thank God for what He's done in your life. How He saved you and rescued you and protected and provided. And You could spend hours just worshiping God, thinking of what He's done. Right? So we, we worship God for who He is, for what He's done, and for what He's still going to do. Because He's still very much at work. He very much has plans for us, His people, the church your workplace, your family, dot, dot, dot. We worship God. And again, that could each be a whole sermon on their own, but you can take it further. And when we worship God, when we come into his presence, like we did today, we get this perspective. We get this right view of God and then, then the right view of ourselves. And from one angle, we see ourselves and we, we're so small and insignificant like a worm, like, like dust of the earth, the Old Testament writers say. Like we're nothing by comparison. He's everything. And we're so humbled by how magnificent He is. And then we get another glimpse of ourselves from a different angle, how 
We've been made righteous by being placed in Christ. How we can overcome, how we can be victorious. How he loves us, how he sees us as his kids. We, we just worship him because he, he lets us see these things. So worship, I don't know how to be practical, but just find some worship music that speaks to you. Create a whole bunch of playlists. Find a time and space where you can just worship without any inhibitions. Where you don't have to worry about people hearing you sing or hearing your music or whatever it might be. It's great to listen to the same songs over. You get to know the words, and you can worship with your eyes closed. So much more meaningful, i found, for me. You can sing them from the heart and focus on God as we focus on worshiping Him. I'm going to kind of end it there, but could go on for hours and hours about just spending time with God is so important. I'm going to ask the band to come up and... We're going to spend a few minutes um, worshiping. <laughs> Maybe just us a chorus or a, a bridge or a, what other technical words are there? <laughs> Bass, refrain. We're going to maybe just sing something short. And then I'm just going to lead us in a few kind of prayers. And just for us to reflect and contemplate, it's not going to be long. Um, but you'll notice the last few months, we've been very deliberate about how we end the service. We, I, want to make, I want us to have time to engage with God. I've been to hundreds of training things at work, where the company I work for, and I go and I listen, I go home and I forget. <laughs> and that's the risk we have in the modern world. There's so much information. But if we can engage with God, if we can take two or three minutes at the end of a service where we are just focusing our undivided attention on God, maybe the worship team helping, maybe someone praying for us, whatever it might look like, if we can engage with God, God can do stuff in us that will change us. We don't go and forget and not be changed. So can we stand together? Let's just sing a a verse or a chorus or something and then I'll lead us a bit further. It's your breath in our love so we pour out our praise pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we
self-conscious just come down to the front stand in the front receive from God so we're going to spend a few moments just being still Psalm 46 says be still and know that I'm God doesn't say pray lots and know that I'm God doesn't say keep the TV on and know that I'm God doesn't say overstimulate yourself with social media and know that I'm God it says be still and know that I'm God. And as we still in a moment, I'd love to put this truth deep inside us that God is always speaking. God is always speaking. Psalm 139 says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. How many they are. We're out to try and count them they would outnumber the grains of sand. Friends, right now, God is thinking a vast sum of thoughts about you and I. They're good thoughts. They're kingdom thoughts. And God wants to speak to us. Let's still our hearts for a minute or two. Focus our attention on Him.
Holy Spirit, come. 